Yaya trailed his fingers across the edge of I followed his hand with mine, sighing softly. Everything here is yours, he said. Just ask. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I like a trailing fingers. I like Don't that. we all, babes? <laughs> Don't we all? I miss I miss a trailing fingers situation. Wow, what a time. <sighs> wow, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Slate listeners. We have an important message for you. By now, you probably know about Slate's membership program, Slate Plus. It's a subscription that gives you ad-free versions of every Slate podcast. You can get this show and others like Dear Prudence and the Political Gap Fest, all without any ad breaks. But if you're a reader of Slate as well as a listener, you might have noticed that Slate.com recently installed a paywall. So we wanted you to know that a Slate Plus membership will also give you access to everything on our website. From our recent coverage of the coronavirus to Who Counts, our ongoing investigation into whose voices will be left out of the 2020 election, we are committed to keeping you informed about everything this year has in store. And your support is extremely important to helping us continue this important work. You can sign up for Slate Plus now at slate.com slash plus. And if you're already a member, just log in at slate.com slash login. Hello, Nicole. Hi, Sam. How are you? I feel like the longer this lockdown goes on, the more suggestive our beginning hellos have become. <laughs> like we're practically purring. We're like, hello, Nicole. <laughs> oh, man. We are like, well, you're like my most consistent uh, voice contacts each week. Oh, you know? I'm oddly touched. As also, <laughs> I feel so sad for you. <laughs> this is it. <laughs> no, I mean, of course, I talk to my mom and my sister, but obviously, sure, I'm not sure, gonna sure. like purr at them. You know. No, that's. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, uh, Nicole, what's wrong with your voice? No, right. I get that. You're completely hey, right. I- <laughs> <laughs> that is not going to happen. You're if, so I- <laughs> if I answered the phone and talk about some hey, my mom would be like, what's wrong with you? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Oh, anyway, are you okay? Even though I am your consistent purring voice in your ear. <laughs> Uh, no. <laughs> you know what you you know what you sound like when you say that. You remind me of that Bugs Bunny meme where his mouth is all pursed and he says yes. no, it's pinched out. This <laughs> is very emphatic. No. Um, it's just uh, you know, it's hard thirsting when you are stuck in the house all the time i mean it turns out like i'm like a plant i need sun i need air then i need cross-pollination and shit i don't know it's kind of like i think about it now that i become a sourdough wanker um i think about the the basic idea of you know something i'd never ever considered or thought about wild yeast in the air um Mm. is something i had never contemplated um in a real way 
And so to see the flower and water become a thing and kind of be like, huh. So it was there all along. I just had no need of it. I didn't I didn't know I required it, you know? And mm-hmm. I think I, I'm likening this like a true Brooklyn based idiot. Um, but I am ba- I, I am likening it to the idea of wild yeast. I think many of us need to go out and get some of that wild yeast without even knowing that we're it's there. Um, and now that we've been denied it, it's kind of like, oh, shit. Like, I didn't even know I needed this thing to make the thing. And I feel like just trying to be, to feel um, full enough to put something out there that feels complete and human and right is very difficult if you're not doing a lot of the stuff that makes you human, which is being in the world in some in some tangible way. And that doesn't necessarily mean walking outside or being outside. I think you know, but it but it does add to it. So yeah, yeah, it's big adjustment period. Yeah, and to keep going with this sourdough um thread, it's you know, when we are exposed, there are things that we can discard in order to make it better, in order to keep the process going. And we don't have the ability to discard much right now. And so we are just settling into this muck that I don't know, oh, it's wow. gonna be ruined somehow because we're just absorbing everything. We can't discard what what needs to be tossed That's, away. That is a beautiful way to do it. Although I will say, Nicole, um, once we're free again, I am going to make you some discard crumpets. They are really quite special. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so provocative. And I don't mean it to <laughs> some discard crumpets in my best hay fever voice. Oh, man. But Thirst Buckets, we just wanted to let you know that um, next week's episode will be, you know, our last for a a little bit. We're going to go on hiatus like we did previously. Yes, just uh, a little hiatus as a treat, as the kids say, um, just so that we can, you know, hunker down and hopefully replenish and refresh. As we mentioned about the sourdough starter metaphor, which got out of hand. I feel like we need to do a bunch of discard recipes and build up a stronger, hungrier, uh, or in this case, thirstier starter. So yes, we are going to be uh, going away for a little while. But remember, you can always access all our past episodes, which includes interviews with people like Chris Evans and Blair Underwood and uh, Wilson Bethel and Charlie Cox. It's just, it's it's a cornucopia of treats and it's all there. All you have to do is go to slate.com slash podcasts and you will find us there. You can also go to our Tumblr where we will be, I don't know, hopefully posting um, as we replenish. And you can always keep an eye on our Twitter as well, which is twitter.com slash thirstaidkit. Um, and yeah, we'll be back before you know it, but we do need to take a little break and we are, <clears throat> and we are sure that you understand and support us because you always do. Thank you, Thirst Buckets. Um, so we do have a, a good episode for you, <laughs> Thirst Buckets. We hope, Thank you. we hope. Like after all that talk about how we can't discard anything, it's like, all right, well, on with the show. <laughs> Here's all the muck we've gathered for you. But no, that was that was a terrible way to lead in. We do have, I think, a stellar, we have two, two amazing Thirst objects on the show this week, much like we did last week. And I feel like that's a good way to kind of get through this period. We're bundling, we're bundling our Thirst objects to kind of, you know, see see what else they might be able to offer us. And I'm actually quite pleased that we've been doing this, Nicole. I don't know how you feel about this, but this week we have two stellar first objects and mm. each brings something very specific and at the same time, something very general um, that I think in these times where we need, I think, more comfort than usual, 
they are delivering on that front. Yes, we are talking about Simu Lu and Yaha Abdul Mateen the second. Oof, even Oof. their names are hot. <laughs> yes. <laughs> And we're going to kind of continue something, a little theme that we started with our last episode when we talked about Shazad Latif and Manny Montana. But we're going to talk about some men that you should have your eye on for many reasons. But, you know, we want to get a little bit ahead of the curve and let you all know that these are the people you should be watching from here on out. We told you first. Okay, maybe like (laughs) second or third. I don't know. But... How modest of you, Nicole. <laughs> but pay attention because we are never wrong on this front. Ugh, you said it and you meant it. Yaya Abdul Mateen II. Just a name right. of royalty. <laughs> okay, so can I just say, you started that very much with your sticky shoes voice. Um, and I'm intrigued to see where you're going to go with this. Wait, do people know what we mean when we say my sticky shoes? You know what? I don't know. I feel, okay, so that is a friend's reference. My sticky shoe. My sticky, sticky shoe. Why you stick on me, baby? So she was really liking her voice and she wrote this song. She wrote and prepared this song about her sticky shoes. And it was so <laughs> ridiculous. And so, so every time, yes. And so every time Bim and I get sick and we have a deeper voice, we just refer to it as our sticky shoes voice. <laughs> <laughs> that was an amazing sum up. Thank you, Nicole. Now, please carry on in your sticky shoes voice talking about Yaya Abdul-Mateen II. Uh, okay. Now, Yaya was born in New Orleans and he was raised there for a little bit before his family moved. Um, I think they moved to California at some point, but I knew without even knowing that he was from New Orleans. Like he had like this, this sheen about him because he has such a peacock attitude about himself. This man loves to preen. He loves attention. (laughs) And it is in such a New Orleans man way um, that I I just knew it instantly. Like, it's just all about, all over him. And, you know, I don't know how to explain it beyond (sighs) New Orleans men have um, the confidence I have never seen anywhere else in the United States. I'll say it like that. I'm so glad you added the caveat in the United States, because when I look at Yaya, without a shadow of a doubt, I'm like, that man is several percentage points Nigerian. Like he (laughs) he reminds me of no fewer than six uncles of mine who are just kind of like, listen, if God didn't want me to be pretty, I wouldn't be pretty. (laughs) And like Yaya is not afraid of color. Um, with his like suits. all beautiful dark skinned people, he's kind of yes. like bring it. I look good. Don't worry yes. about it. <laughs> you can look through his Instagram and you'll see that he has posted like images of him in this very hot pink suit. That's like yes. mm, I wouldn't say hot pink. It's like a hot fuchsia. I don't yes. know, but it's like magenta. Maybe? Yeah, it's just nice. And it looks so good on him. Oh my god. Um, he is not afraid of patterns. He just he. He wants you to look at him and he will wear whatever it is that will make you look at him. And sometimes that means just his skin. Oof. Listen. 
And he, his suits fit very well. I don't think I've ever seen him in an ill-fitting suit um, since, you know, he's become a person of note, shall we say. Um, yes. That's actually been fairly recent. Like his, his star like just started maybe like in 2015 when he um, landed a role on Netflix's The Get Down. Right. That was the show by the creator of Romeo Plus Juliet uh, and Moulin Rouge, amongst other things, uh, Baz Luhrmann. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, Yaya played a character called Cadillac. Um, The whole series is kind of set uh, in the disco world. um, And it's he's he's a very uh, as he can't help it, a very beautiful and charismatic and just gorgeous um, character in there. Um, and I, I haven't seen all of the get down because like many people, I was like, hmm, I think the idea is better than the execution, but God bless everyone. Um, but what I did see, <laughs> I really, really liked him. Like he has presence uh, mm-hmm. in a way that really kind of commands your eye. So I feel like a lot of people didn't really see him in terms of just like sheer numbers until a couple years um, after he did uh, the get down because he did the get down 2016, 2017, right? Mm hmm. And then a couple of years after that, he was cast as Black Manta in DC's Aquaman. And that for me was the first time that I watched like a project like beginning to end. And I was like, okay, here's a character, here's an arc, and this is who he is. And the thing about Aquaman is um, it's trash. Um, it's, <laughs> it's so not good. <laughs> it's so bad. Like, and it's not because the people in it aren't like powerhouses in their own rights. Like, there's fucking Oscar winners in there. It's got Willem Dafoe on like a seahorse kind of horse. It's got like <laughs> it's got action set pieces. It's doing way too much, <laughs> and all of it quite badly. Um, but Yaya is in it, and he plays like I said, Black Manta. So he's the villain in this. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And his father is played by Michael Beach, who is like this villain who I don't think it's a spoiler to say he dies early on. And so right. Yaya's character, David slash Black Manta, has to kind of avenge his father. But also he's like an amoral, I don't know, mercenary type. So it's I mean, like I said, the movie is bad. <laughs> anyway, Yaya was in the movie and um, he actually taught himself how to swim. Huh. Yes, for this. And he tells this in a Conan O'Brien interview um, with the entire cast, but he tells us a little bit about how he taught himself how to swim for this movie. I'm in Australia, and uh, it's the first day that I get there. The first thing I do, I go to the sporting goods store, mm-hmm. and I get, um, I get some like Olympic goggles and a kickboard. And I'm taking it very seriously, and I'm downstairs secretly learning how to swim Almost every day. I hope day. you had floaties. No, first I wasn't. Time you go in, you're supposed to have floaties. There was, there yeah. was, I mean, it was only four feet, you know, and, and there was no time for floaties. It was like, look, I'm shooting in two weeks. I got my goggles. I got my kickboard. Let's get to work. So eventually, you know, long story short, I teach myself over the course of a couple of weeks. I get better and better. I teach myself how to swim. And then we get to the set. Lo and behold, I don't have to swim in the movie. <laughs> Uh, that's funny (laughs) now I admire the fact that he taught himself how to swim in a two week period because it took me years to get up the nerve to be like okay I'm gonna learn how to swim and I'm still not a strong swimmer but I'm for for sure that he was like no I need this skill I can do this so I admire his dedication um, to making that happen unfortunately like you said there was no need for him to learn how to swim (laughs) (laughs) 
God bless it. <laughs> I can't lie. That's kind of hot to me. Like yes, yes, ooh, determination and shit. Yes, and I think that's just kind of how he seems to tackle everything in his life. Like um, when he was at college, he went to UC Berkeley. He studied architecture. Um, he became a city planner for San Francisco. Um, and when wow. he was laid off from that job in 2010, he went to Yale School of Drama. Um, okay. Yeah, you know, because he he got the acting bug when he was in college. Um, I think he was he was running track, and they had to put on um, you know a little sketch for each other, like the undergraduates for the grad students or something like that. And so he was doing these sketches, and um, people kept complimenting him, and they were like, you know what? Why don't you go take some acting classes? It'll be fun. Blah blah blah. And he did. And then once that um, you know situation happened, he went to Yale School of Drama. And then from Yale School of Drama, we get to see him on screen now. And so it looks like he just, once he gets something, an idea in his head, he goes for it. And I appreciate that drive because it makes me think that, you know, maybe he's um, focused and determined elsewhere (laughs) in all parts of his life. (laughs) That little pause was the hardest working pause uh in this show <laughs> thus far you just you just let the brain fill up with all sorts of thoughts you know at the top of this show we were talking about how hollywood has been kind of very very slowly as is the way with these big things turning its gaze away from the traditional beefcake whatever like you know representation i hate that word in this context but um and it's very slow and it's not even and a lot of it feels like one step forward and six steps back etc But what I'm excited about with this new crop of young uh, and not so young, but just like new actors um, is this idea of how much they bring to the table. That's never been in doubt, to be fair. Mm -hmm. But I think they've been a lot of them have the opportunity to do more. So you're not it's not so structured anymore where, you know, you're in you're, you're a character actor or you're a lead or you're a this. And I think a lot of that is down to the superhero movies, which did a weird thing, um, of sort of creating so many more roles um, for any number of actors and yet somehow managed to give the lion's share, as is always the way, to a bunch of white actors. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I'm interested in, in something like, yes, Aquaman, which, like we said, trash, but still, it exists, that's great, and it made a fuck ton of money. So again, <laughs> there's going to be a sequel, I have no <laughs> doubt. Um, but it's just like widening what is possible. And what I like about Yaya is that, yes, he's playing this kind of, like I said before, scenery chewing, you know, bad man. But he's funny and he is like, he gives like pathos and he gives you emotion and he does soft and he does big and he does like, there are so many facets to him. And like, what I like about him, um, because when I saw when I saw Aquaman, I was like, Jesus Christ in heaven, how can we <laughs> remove this from my memory banks? But then I watched another uh, not great movie, which had moments, uh, Baywatch. Oh, Yaya's in it. He plays like this cop and he is so funny. I'm going to play a very small clip from Yaya, um, just who is like this frustrated police officer who wants to do his fucking job, but these Baywatch idiots keep like coming in and undermining him and, you know, doing way too much. And I, I, I just really love this scene. Five foot nine. Hey, 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 hey. Get back right now. Do not contaminate my crime scene. Come on, Alibi. Don't give me any of that jurisdiction shit. Oh, uh, no, I won't. Because technically, you don't have a jurisdiction. 
Lifeguard, you got one job. Make sure swim-happy white people don't drown. Technically, that boat out there is the Coast Guard's jurisdiction, okay? And if I would have waited for them, all these girls would be dead. What? We would have died? Burned to a crisp. I'm not we ready to died. die. I know, it's okay, you're not. So technically, we saved lives. Technically, I see a dead body, which technically makes this a crime scene. Hey, technically, these technicallys are wasting a lot of time. Technically. Thank you, Blue-Eyed Demon. I absolutely... <laughs> the way he delivers that line, thank you, Blue-Eyed Demon, it makes me crack up every time. I was watching it on my laptop, and once he said that, I burst out laughing, I rewound it, I screenshotted it, because I feel like it's going to be a very useful reaction photo to use on Twitter. <laughs> It is just so funny the way he uh, and he's funny like that throughout the movie. He's so frustrated and annoyed by these muscle bound idiots. Um, but I just love I love him in that movie. Like the whole movie I could throw away, but I would pull wholesale his performance, which cracks me up in a very simple, pleasurable way. He's so funny. He is funny. Um he recently went on his IG live and was like, I'm going to draw some of y'all. And so people, he was just like <laughs> randomly picking people to join in. And so um, <laughs> he would pick somebody and they would join in his live and he would look at him like, all right, okay. Uh-huh. 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 You know, he's doing all this. And then he turned the picture around and it would be like a stick figure with little squiggles <laughs> all over it or something. And, you know, he would try to like add in color. Like if they have um, this one woman, she had uh, red hair. And so he like did some kind of weird maroon in her hair or whatever. And she was just like, uh, you made me look ridiculous. He was like, oh, all right. You, you got something bad to say. And he just, um, you know, just disconnected her <laughs> from his, <laughs> from the line. <laughs> but you know, it was all in good fun, but he was so like silly and just playing with everybody. And it was, you know, sometimes he gets a little flirty with people, you know? Yes, you know, he does. I've noticed you know? it. And I, you know what you see him do that? I always think to myself, God, if he did that to me, I think I might, just like i'd log off i'd be so overwhelmed i can't imagine having the beam of his attention i don't know i it would make me i don't know i'd have to yeah i'd have to log off <laughs> it's just so much oh. i'm sorry he's so potent yes yeah, because you know he posts all these thirst traps on his instagram oh and you know it's a thirst trap and you're just like you're like yeah yeah i do come on for real but you're also like typing out a comment like oh what's up daddy you know like, <laughs> you are just for real oh like learn it is <laughs> it is straight up a trap and you are lured into it and he, you ah oh, like it's there's disgusting. one it's disgusting it, it's <laughs> disgusting I, there's one i think he's sitting in first class um somewhere and he was just like where is she like talking about his mysterious the one the comments were so it. out of control <laughs> <laughs> he will literally just kind of be like yes this is a photo specifically of my adonis belt say something and without fail everyone is kind of like okay then yaya here's my best work and it is a stream nay a river no an ocean of filth <sighs> that just follows through. I'm reading through them and I am laughing so hard and sometimes I'm crying because especially women. Like there are so many people of, underneath those comments, people of all sorts of gender and sexual expression just like saying what they say. But I find personally that the comments from black women are inventive. They are hilarious. They are disgusting. 
and yes. they are just so pure. Like these women, they they want nothing from him except the purpose of said thirst trap. And they're like, "All right, cool, let's dance." And it's kind of yes. like, "Wow." <laughs> and Yaya knows what side his bread is buttered on because he knows that it's black women that are going to boost him to a point where he's probably not going to need us anymore, and then we'll forget oh. about us. But you know, oh. we, we, we come on, wait to exhale. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but he knows that in order to get to that point, he needs us. So I have this little clip. Wrong. I mean, that's just look. It's important to listen to black women because they they got the answers straight up. I mean, I don't have to I don't have to elaborate on that. But they're right, and they have the answers. Period. You listen to them, and you won't go wrong. Never steer me wrong in my life. Never will. So yeah, Yaya knows that black women will lead him to the promised land, whatever that may be for him. And he <laughs> represents us and we appreciate that. And I think also, you know, we were talking about superheroes and how, you know, Hollywood is kind of changing the way that they approach superheroes. We cannot talk about Yaya without talking about uh, Watchmen. Oof. okay. Well then let's talk about Watchmen. <laughs> Um, full disclosure, I have not seen the whole season. Same, which I, same. I think it's like the only season because I think they decided that yes. they don't need, they don't have any more story to tell. I have seen every episode in the single season of Watchmen except the last one, which apparently has the big, or maybe the last two. So it, it has the big reveal that I don't think it's a spoiler to say at this late stage in the game that mm-hmm. reveals Yaya as a pretty pivotal character in uh, the Watchmen uh, lore. Um, and Long before I even saw any part of it, because I wasn't watching it when the rest of the country was watching it. I remember seeing my timeline go nuts. It very was specifically. wild. It was <laughs> About, yeah, wild. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean. I mean, I felt like the earth moved beneath me and I was like, the fuck? Is that an earthquake in Brooklyn? And then I went on Twitter and I was like, oh, no, it's Yaya in blue <laughs> body paint and absolute total nakedity. And I realized what it was that had discombobulated the earth beneath my feet. Everybody was talking about that appendage. And (laughs) what? (laughs) What kind of church language was that? I love it. That appendage, madam. And I was just like, I mean, of course, I want to watch the show anyway. But again, you know, you kind of have to be in the mindset for certain things. Right. And so I was like, okay, I need to get my mind right to watch this so that I can get to this payoff because I need to see that whether it is real or not. I can put together my own, um, you know, composite imagery in my head of what what's really happening. <laughs> that 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 whole season I had watched him and he was like this beautiful just this character that I couldn't take my eyes off because the thing about him in Watchmen you know he's playing um the husband of the Regina King character he is beautiful he's so supportive Cal is like very much like they are such goals if we're gonna be kind of internet-y about it and I feel like in this role it gave me something of his character that I hadn't had the chance to see before the writing was amazing the acting around him was fantastic and I think it Mm -hmm. made him just kind of be like you know what let me do my work it is really one of the most beautiful 
nuanced. Like it's just one of the best things I've ever seen on TV, really. Yeah, and you know, we've talked about um, the pleasure in watching someone's um, skill set grow as an actor. And I think that's what we're, we're going to see with Yaya, um, particularly when um, Candyman, the horror film, comes out. It was originally scheduled to come out in June of this year, but because of the different shutdowns, it's been pushed to September, I believe. Um, and so this is a sequel of the famous Candyman um, story and it is directed by Nia DaCosta written um, yeah co-written by her and Jordan Peele um, and it is it looks it looks so good that I uh, you know famous scaredy cat thought about (laughs) seeing this for like five minutes but I know that I cannot because (laughs) same I support you, Yaya and Nia. Love you both. Desperately want you to have all the amazing success that is due to you. But I'm going to have to sit this one out. But I love you. I will read the Wikipedia summary. Um, right. That's the most I'm going to do. <laughs> right. And so I think like what you said with, um, you know, Regina King pulling forth this incredible performance from him. I think having Nia DaCosta and Jordan Peele there will help pull out some amazing performances from him, um, mm. you know, because I think horror does not get the respect that it needs when it comes to people's acting um, sometimes in, in certain films, you know, like most people have to cut their teeth on horror in order to mm-hmm. get into Hollywood. Um, but there are some incredible performances that you can find in horror. And I, I would not be surprised if Yaya's performance, just from what I've seen in the trailer and what people have been talking about, is one of those um, performances that kind of goes down in horror history books. Wow, that is a beautiful, beautiful hope and prayer. Because here's the thing, for all of the noise about his clear, incredible beauty, is also just someone who I think wants to kind of leave their mark in their profession that they've chosen at an advanced (laughs) age. He didn't, he's not like some kid who's been like tap dancing since he was six. Like, this came to him. He's working for it. He's getting it. And I really hope that his career just unfolds over the years to come because I think he is very special. I agree fully. Okay, Nicole. Yeah. So <laughs> we started the show with Yaya. Mm-hmm. We went a little bit wild um, because he does tend to inspire that uh, in a in a lady <laughs> or anyone, to be honest. Uh, but we're now gonna we're gonna move a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna cast our gaze to another up and coming, truly uh, can't take your eyes off him kind of guy. I'm talking, of course, about Simu Liu. Uh, he's so adorable. Um, Ugh. <sighs> And then also, you know, in the same way that we talked about, Yaya is kind of a peacock and does all these thirst traps. Simu is the same way. <laughs> like, he yes. has no shame about himself, which is fine. You should not. Um, but he right, right. <laughs> he puts out these little videos of himself on his Twitter and on his Instagram. He yep. is fine as hell. I mean... Listen, this is Thursday Kit. We talk a lot about physical appearances alongside all this other stuff, of course. Right. But every so often, there is a face that is so arresting that you start doing that uncontrollable 
giggle. You're just kind of like, oh, oh, that's your face. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, just like, it's, it's, it's not something you can control. It just comes right from your diaphragm. It's just kind of like, oh, this is taking pleasure at symmetry in the world. The same way I would smile at a perfect, a perfectly shaped tree <laughs> or the way I look at a really wonderful mango. And I'm like, oh, that shit looks juicy as hell. Like, just as, as a basic fact, the fact of Simu's face is just like, oh, it's pleasing to me. He is, he's funny. You know, mm. he doesn't take himself too seriously. So he's able to poke fun at himself. And again, this is just from what I'm seeing from like his Twitter presence and social media presence. Um, right. But he is just, I, I would want to hang out with him. I would want to go to a bar and just like chill with him for a little bit. Not even on some like, come home with me later kind of stuff, but just like mm-hmm. flat out, let's go hang out and just chill. Right. He has the vibe. He, he looks like a good time boy. And I don't mean that in the sexy way. I mean it as a very <laughs> much just kind of like, let's spend time laughing and joking. And like, I can imagine him particularly in the summertime. I can see him in like a beer garden. I can see him in a park. You know, he yeah. looks like the kind of person who is born for the outdoors and you guys would just have a laugh the whole time. And that is also the older I get and the more I want to sit down, um, <laughs> the more I think to myself, well, who's going to sit beside me? And like, I want people who seem like they are good company and they are funny and they are kind and they just seem to be engaged. Like uh, there is a thing that I have noticed in all of the interviews and he's been doing a lot more interviews, of course, for reasons we'll get into. Mm-hmm. One of the things in his interviews is he does this thing where he has he he maintains a really remarkably engaged listening face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So he doesn't look like he's bored. He doesn't look as though he's waiting for you to finish so he can talk. He doesn't look as though he has literally got like a list of answers and whatever he says, it'll make sense somehow. He always looks like he leans forward in that really uh, small, subtle way that lets you know a person is involved. Mm. He does that thing where he has like a smile on his lips. So he's kind of like, uh-huh, I'm hearing you. He nods, but never too much. Just enough. <laughs> um, and then when it's time to speak, he refers to your question. He refers to points you've made. He just seems, again, wild projection here. But you know when you can see someone engaging with you as a human being? Yes. That shit is hot. I'm sorry, yes. but it is. And the bar is underground. I say this, I admit it freely, but it just feels like when a person treats you like a human being, shockingly, that shit feels nice. We've heard so many different um, celebrities over the years talk about how they know that these interviews, they're just selling themselves. And sometimes they just kind of, you know, check out a little bit and they're not fully engaged. And also they're saying the same things over and over again, right? So they're not able to really, you know, bring their personalities fully into some interviews sometimes. But it seems like Simu is just like, when you have somebody who can sit there and repeat the question back to you or, you know, fold it into their answer so clearly and so thoughtfully, it's just like, no, we're, we're still on the same level. Like just because you're interviewing me does not make me a better person than you. We can still have this right. good conversation and it can go from there. Like that's just so, exactly. just, ugh. It's hot, Nicole. Say it. Say it with your chest. <laughs> it's, it's nice to see. Yes, yes. And yes, the bar is underground. But these things still <laughs> count for something, even with the it's bar being in hell. 
Um, one of the things I enjoy also about Simu is the pure pleasure that he is. He understands that right now is a really purple patch for him. And he is happier than a pig in shit. Like he is yes. just like, listen, <laughs> it's great. My life is great. Like, I don't think you understand. Like he has been, for one thing, he did that thing, which can be cringy and or effective. And in this case, it clearly was. But he has been atting Marvel for literally years. Yes. Saying, hey, hey, hey. He's basically the annoying kid tapping you on the shoulder going, excuse me, excuse me. And he did that shit for literally five years. And the answer was, guess what, bitch? I've now been cast as Shang-Chi. So you know what? It works. Persistence <laughs> pays off. And listen, you know how much I hate when people at celebrities on Twitter, especially if they involve me. I'm like, please, I, I know how to at someone. Don't do it. Right. In this case, he was at in the, them himself. Like, no, he wasn't kind of going, hey, guys, at Marvel and tell them to cast me. He was doing the work himself. And I respect that. Oh, my God. No, like he knows what he wants and he went after it. And you cannot do anything but respect that. And like, I really like that you said that he recognizes that he is in this purple patch because that's what makes it um, endearing and not cringy that he is so thirsty a little bit because he knows that everything is fleeting. <laughs> he knows that he's not going to always have this body around. You know, he knows that he's not going to be a fucking superhero in a Marvel, you know, uh, franchise. He knows that. And that makes perfect sense. Let's just be present, enjoy today, and go from there. Because that's all we have is today. As as we have learned through all of this oh, stuff. Wow. <laughs> I'm that sorry. It so light, and, then it, and then it ended with, with an existential crisis. As we have learned, kids, death like, is coming. <laughs> like I'm sorry it's just like it's starting to weigh heavily on everything now but I mean listen oof so because- <laughs> a patina of dread everywhere you look um uh, I <sighs> finally started watching Kim's Convenience which you have told me about for years Nicole. and I just was like Nicole. I'm gonna put it in my, my Netflix queue and I'm gonna get to it and I finally started watching it this man's face is the fucking sun <gasps> what <laughs> Okay, so when you told me you started watching it, I I didn't I I released a breath. I wasn't even aware I'd been holding. Like finally, this bitch. Like you say it, and you hope people take on your recommendations in their own time. Of course, everyone has lives and whatnot. But then when you started it, I don't know a weight was lifted off me because I'm like, listen, <laughs> I love the comedy of the show. Obviously, the comedy is top notch. I love so many of the like the lines, some of the line delivery. You can tell there's just like perfect synergy between the writer and the performer. Mm-hmm. I love so much about it. I love the ease with which the characters embody themselves. Like it's just it's lovely. But yes, the first time he plays a character called Jung and the first time I saw him. <sighs> Nicole. You know when you do a stereotypical double take? Yes. Like, I literally, I think I said out loud, what? Like, the bar for this remains Lin-Manuel Miranda looking at Manny Jacinto and going, no, that can't be right. (laughs) But that's not far away from where I was. Like, I saw him and I was like, wait a fucking minute. This dude is just in Canada, just walking around? Right! What's going on? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, do I need to go to Canada again? Like, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? 
His character Ooh. works at this uh, car rental agency, and so he's in a uniform, and he has to wear this robin's egg blue shirt Ooh, that, that looks... That shit is beautiful. It is so... His skin... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Nobody <laughs> oh has God. ever, ever looked good in that color in a polyester fucking shirt. And Simo said, actually, I'm going to look amazing in it. It's going to upset all the undertones in my skin brilliantly. Oh, my God. And the lighting, of course, is like, you know, it's very bright sitcom lighting. And he... When I said... (laughs) I'm just so upset that I waited so long to watch him. Um, The camera, like the first time the camera, like, um, you know, sets on his face. I... Mm. My... I am so upset with how beautiful this man is. Oh my gosh, because he has this like really kind of sweet, caring look on his face. Because we first see him, he's talking to his sister, and then his boss comes in, and his boss has this clear, awkward crush on him. And so he kind of has like a little pity on her. He takes a little pity on her because he sees that she's trying to, you know put some moves on him and like, no, baby, it's not going to happen. But he still is kind to her. It's all there in his face. And I'm just like, wow, come see about me. (laughs) Wow. I mean, like, it's just, um, I think that that is, you know, again, I don't, I haven't seen him in very much, but I think Mm -hmm, that just mm -hmm. that the way that he is able to mix the pity and kindness in his face when dealing with this woman that has a crush on him, that is um, a job well done. Like, it's so profound. There's that little bit of work in this sitcom. Boy, you better. (laughs) So I believe that's when I actually fully fell in love with him is how he deals with his boss because... On the one hand, you think, oh, they're about to set her up as a sort of buffoon, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. She's going to be like a sort of Michael Scott, a sort of, you know, um, Leslie Nope in season one kind of idiot, kind of a buffoon, Mm -hmm, right? mm -hmm. And then as the show progresses, which you will see, she kind of changes. And crucially, so does Jung, and it becomes like this more equal thing. But I think in that first season where she is clearly, like most of us, I guess, would be, overwhelmed by his beauty and what looks like a lot of charm mm-hmm. um and every time there is a softness in his face when he's kind of like oh my god poor kid yes. <laughs> like, but it, he never looks like he pities her it just looks like he sees her and he understands her battle because listen he has a mirror he knows what he looks like <laughs> and he's kind of like all right sis listen, i'm gonna help you out i'm just gonna be as human and direct as i can be I really love the show. I think it's incredibly funny. Mrs. Kim in particular is fucking amazing. Um, But the thing that I love about it is that it is widening the idea of what families look like on TV. And in particular, especially for Simu, for him, there was something really great, he says, about playing a son in this kind of family. So, I mean, I was introduced to Kim's Convenience through the, uh, through the play. I had saw it in the uh, winter of 2015, and it was really the first time that I'd ever seen my story told on stage. It was such an incredible experience. Changed my relationship with theater, because up until that point, going to the theater was almost like going to the museum. Mm. You know, it was like, oh, this is wonderful. I, I like the costumes. They're very nice. People talk funny. But I, I never really saw... I never really thought that it, it could be like a, a transcendent experience where you could like 
you know, learn about yourself while watching these characters on stage was a truly incredible moment. And it made me think about my relationship with my own parents. Mm. And, um, you know, those of you guys listening who have grown up in immigrant households will, will know. But, uh, you know, when, when, you're, when you share a house with, with people who grew up in a completely different time with completely different values and, and you know, oftentimes speak a totally different language, there's, you're just going to butt heads, you know, there, there's going to be moments where you disagree and, you know, that's putting it very lightly, of course. Yeah. And, um, and there's feelings of resentment that come out of that as a child growing up because, you know, you, for example, I never wanted my parents to pack me a lunch that was, you know, ethnic because I was always getting made fun of for my smelly lunches. I never, you know, I always wanted to go to sleepovers and I always wanted to invite my friends over. My parents didn't love doing that because they were always anxious about their own English speaking ability and yeah. they didn't want to embarrass me or themselves. And I think the other thing I really loved about that was the uh, the widening of the lens away from just himself. So when he talks about how as a kid he didn't want his parents to pack him, you know, a lunch that kind of indicated that he was, you know, Chinese. Mm-hmm. I think there is something, um, even if he never had that, I think there is a classic thing that happens for all children of immigrants where you know you're different. And I love that he acknowledged it. And I think exactly right. It's exactly how Jung, I think, thinks of his parents, like these people who want to curtail his fun, who have been too harsh. Meanwhile, Mr. and Mrs. Kim are kind of like, nah, we we're that way because guess what, Jung, you fucked up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and we reserve the right to be angry. You don't get to dictate how we treat you. Um, just like that if you're going to do bad stuff we're going to react in a bad way like i just i love the relationship between them i i think so often the urge is to shy away from stories that quote unquote look negative mm-hmm. but i really actually love that jung and mr kim do not get on and it's not played as a sort of like this deep-seated you know stern asian culture it's just kind of like sometimes sons and dads are just dicks to one another um and we're just going to play this for them being dicks to one another. It's not like some weird, we're not going to, we're not going to make this an orientalist fucking weird way to look at this family. Not, not in this, not in this particular scope. I think there's something really um, just refreshing about that. I hesitate to put things like it's powerful and blah, blah, blah. I think right. it's just refreshing. Right. I think there's so much to be said for being able to play a role that, um, speaks to you and part of your identity that is not a stereotype and that is not, um, you know, someone trying to do some colorblind casting as well, mm-hmm. you know, because so many times I think people of color, they get put into Shakespearean plays and, you know, they're just supposed to play these people that have no connection, to, that they have no connection to. Um, and then they get offered stuff where they are the delivery driver of, you know, the Chinese restaurant or whatever, you know, stuff like that. And there's like no in between for them. So to see, um, you know, work like Kim's Convenience, Always Be My Baby, Fresh Off the Boat, things like that, where people are just playing people, playing themselves that still speak to them, but still like show the diversity of their experiences is, um, as you said, it's refreshing. And I hope that we keep seeing more and more of that 
um, whether it is lucrative to Hollywood or not, that we just need to see, we need to keep seeing uh, these stories and all the different ways that they play out. So um, seeing uh, Kim's Convenience, watching it, it's just um, not only because Simu is uh, beautiful to behold, but it's just (laughs) a really funny, good show. And um, I'm definitely going to finish watching everything um that's online <laughs> about it because it's so so good and there is one scene in particular that i really love which is when his housemate and best friend kimchi uh, has a girl coming over for dinner and um he doesn't want the girl to even glimpse <laughs> jung because he knows <laughs> that if she sees him he's gonna look like chopped liver next to it. and it's it's very shallow but i i respect where kimchi's coming from he's like listen i've been friends since we were kids this shit is going to not work out in my favor. So I just need you to just hide yourself. Anyway, Jen comes home and of course, uh, naturally, the, the date sees him and everything is changed. Anyway, let's have a little watch. What are you doing here? I'm sorry, I had to work late. I'll be out in like 10 minutes. Lauren's on her way up. Get out. I have to shower. I smell like baby barf. That's adorable. Just make that work for you with your library geeks. Hey, come through, right through. In fact, I was thinking we could spend the next 10 minutes or so out on the balcony. Just came from outside, I can use some AC. All right, so what can I get for you to go with my uh, mortadella? Ah, <laughs> uh, white wine? Ooh, just in luck, bought a big box. Ooh. Oh, hi. I'm my roommate, Chan, who's just leaving? Uh, well, I have to get dressed first, but uh, it's nice to meet you. You too. I'm Lauren. What is that? Oh, it's the pepperettes. I'm doing a bit of a meat board. No, uh, in volio. Yeah, it's the Shea Body Butter. Of course it is. I love that stuff. Well, I'm going to get changed. I'll see you later. Great. <laughs> well, Junk seems nice. Does he always walk around half naked? Ah, I prefer to think of him as half dressed. <laughs> Ham and cheese or broccoli and cheese? <laughs> <laughs> First of all, can I just say a small <laughs> note of appreciation that he uses a shape the shape yes, yes. <laughs> Guys, I need for all of you to lotion up. Can I just throw that out there free of charge? Thank you so much. Yes, it's funny. He um, recently tweeted a video of, you know, where he was supposed to be showing us what his uh, at home Marvel workout is. Oh my God, yes, I saw that video. (laughs) And so he like, you know, he stretches, he's got the dumbbells there in front of him. He stretches and then he goes to pick up the dumbbells, but then he sits down and just like grabs a bag of chips and starts eating (laughs) the chips. So he has a (laughs) sense of humor about him, which I really appreciate. Um, And it seems that he is uh, multi-talented. I don't know how much um, he sings like in his uh, filmography, but he recently posted a video on his Instagram of um, him singing and, and harmonizing with himself. It was like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall and the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh, what? Oh, oh, I'm the show. I'm the show off. I'm the. <laughs> 
<laughs> I love so it. Again, you know, he's kind of showing a little bit of skills and then he just kind of brings the humor in to let you know. I'm not taking yes. this seriously. This is just it's just a little something. Yeah. It's a little something for you. <laughs> he he does that thing that very pretty people do to kind of cut the tension of how attractive they are. <laughs> it's kind of like I'm just fooling. I'm just I'm one of you, Argos. <laughs> <laughs> well, I am so glad that I finally started watching Kim's Convenience. Mm-hmm. I feel um you know, this has made this uh, self-isolation uh, a bit more tolerable to look at someone so beautiful and to watch <laughs> something so funny and delightful. Um, and it has prepared me for what Simulu will do in the future. Um, Amen. You know, between Simu and Yaya changing um, Hollywood um, and, you know, in such a short time period as well. You know, Yaya just, you know, he started in like 2015 Simu started around 2012. Like, they're still very much babies, and they have so much career left in front of them. Mm-hmm. And we are, we're just getting started with them. I, I can't wait to see what happens next for, for both of them, because um, hopefully they'll be around for a very long time. That is my fervent hope. I also hope that somewhere in their long, industrious futures, they kind of just cast a little sideways glance and see First Aid Kit and be like, hey, that looks interesting. Why don't we allow them to interview us? I'm just putting that into the universe. Listen, I, I second it. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to make, oh, it, on, we're gonna make it happen. Yeah, I we're going to make I it happen. So. Nicole, I trust in us. I feel like we're going to we're going to mount a very silent but effective campaign to get all of our faves onto the show because we deserve it. And so do they. Everybody just come on the show. Let us talk to you. You know, you need to diversify your interviews anyway. Right. Just come on the show. We're going to talk about whatever you want to talk about. We're going to keep it light and fun and it's going to be great. And we'll just get to look at you for a little bit or even, you know, just <laughs> listen to your beautiful voices. <laughs> We're not picky. <laughs> that is the most amazing invitation I've ever heard. And if I were, for example, Simulu or Yaya Abdul-Mateen II, I'd be like, hey, that sounds like a good time. And I would get my people on it. Just saying that. Just I'm just this purely objectively speaking. This sounds like an amazing podcast that you want to be on. So come on down. All right, Bim, are you ready? Nicole, I was born ready. <laughs> I, I said that. I don't, I don't believe that at all. I'm absolutely <laughs> the opposite of ready. I'm a mess on the floor. I'm still primordial ooze. I'm just, yeah, let's just, let's power through it, buddy. How are you? Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know what this fanfic wars is going to look like, um, but, you know, we're here and we're ready to battle. Oh, okay. <laughs> what was that? I don't know. I'm trying to hype us back up. I'm trying to hype oh, us back up. Oh, I see. I see. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I didn't mean to laugh at your efforts. You're right. We're here to do what? Battle. Okay. <laughs> we're back on track. Nicole, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? How are you feeling? Um, I can go first. Oh, okay. I love what you offer because I know you've got like a fucking six bullets and you know exactly where they're going. So let's hear it. <laughs> oh, first of all, sorry. Uh-huh. Who are you doing your travel about? Yeah, yeah. Mm, I'm shocked. Wow, I'm shocked. 
<sighs> okay. <clears throat> I found Yaya in the middle of the master closet dressing room, suit jackets and ties and handkerchiefs tossed carelessly over the chase. He stood in front of the mirrored wall, barefoot in black dress pants. He looked at me hopelessly when I walked in. This is my first red carpet where I am the unequivocal lead. My name is first. I gotta look good, baby. He said to me as he gestured to the mess around him. Yaya was nervous, a rare experience. The premiere wasn't for another week and he'd already decided on one suit, but there he was preparing contingency plans. I sat on the chase and talked him through a few selections until he stood in front of the mirror wearing a deep honey-colored brocaded jacket that pulled the sun from his skin. He rolled his shoulders to make sure the cut was proper, and I felt a sparking heat roll into my belly. I stood and walked the short distance to him as he turned and watched his reflection from multiple angles. He unbuttoned the jacket and posed for me, smiling at his own silliness. I pretended like I was going to tuck in his shirt, but instead I unsnapped his pants. Hey, hey, he protested around a smile, but I remained focused on the task at hand. I cut a glance at the reflections around us and rose to my tiptoes to kiss along his jaw. You're going to be so good, baby, I whispered to him as his hands went around my waist. Just watch. (laughs) you know what i love nicole (laughs) you disregarded the fact that stars like yaya get fittings with like stylists with you know entire rails of designer stuff you just said fuck it he has the designer railings and the stylist right here in his bedroom (laughs) and i love that i love that journey for you i love it you know, that's what fantasy life is all about. Listen, that's all we've got in these sourdough times. <sighs> Unless, you know, I think that, uh, you know, Yaya likes to look at himself in the mirror. So I wanted to. Uh, yes, he does. Yeah. Put that into my drabble some kind of <laughs> lovely way. <laughs> you decided to honor his uh, his method. I see you. <laughs> they call that research, Nicole. And I love research. I try, I try. Um, but what's your drabble for today? Who are you? Who are you writing about? I thought I could do something with Yaya, but it kept descending into kind of like R-rated shit. So I pulled back. <laughs> um, okay. <laughs> I just every time I tried to do something, it was kind of like you ever watch that show um, episodes where a parody of Patrick Stewart has all these stories, and they all end with. Um, <laughs> And then her clothes fell off. Oh, it's it's no. kind of ridiculous. But that was that was basically me. I was kind of like, so so we're in a supermarket, right? He picks up some fruit and then his clothes fall. No, no, hold on. So I had to pull myself <laughs> back and kind of be like, what are you doing here? So I I decided instead to write a drabble about Simu. Um, and again, a sort of, you know, the slight peacocking thing we spoke about. People who were really right. beautiful and like fun. And I kind of wedded in the fact that it seems like he likes to sing. And this is what I ended up with. I apologize. It is a little bit long, um, but I'm going to do my best to make it not feel that way. All right. All right. I'm ready. As soon as it was suggested, I could see the light in Simu's eyes light up. This is an activity that was becoming increasingly rare. So many of our friends in the same city as us at the same time available and almost desperate to hang out. 
It had been ages since we'd been out like this, even longer since we'd let loose, a time before new responsibilities at work and babies and other life shenanigans. But now, replete with pleasure after a big dinner with close friends, all caught up on our group gossip, karaoke was somehow the finest idea anyone had ever had in the history of ideas. We spilled out of the restaurant, jackets slung over our arms, slightly tipsy, pupils dilated, which made affection second nature. Out on the street, I tucked myself under Simu's arm, molding myself into his side, thighs aligned, and met his still sparkling eyes. I already know what you're going to sing, he said with a knowing smirk. I was predictable. A bunch of Whitney hits, delivered with more heart than skill, plus Prince's most karaoke-friendly offering, Kiss, to close my set. What are you going to sing, I deflected. His answering grin was open and boyish, cheeks flushed. He was having a good time, I could tell. He stroked a hand over his jaw. Oh, you'll see, he said, in a voice he usually reserved just for me. Entirely predictably, my insides briefly turned to mush. Some two hours, several bottles, and way too many butchered classics later, we had all begun to show signs of flagging. But first, it was Simu's last time on the mic. As the machine called up his choice, he turned to me, where I was half sitting, half lying on our friends, and stretched his arm out like I was a lucky girl at a rock concert. The tinny guitars of the backing track started up. Looks like we made it, he sang. Look how far we've come, my baby. I laughed out loud with bright pleasure, and a few moments later was swaying tipsily into him, Yell singing Shania together, the microphone useless between us. Aww, Phil was so sweet. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you know, I love the Prince uh, shout out. I did that for you because A, it is my karaoke go-to, but also I thought, you know who's going to love this? Nicole. Yes, and I do. <laughs> Yay. I love it when I get it right. Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> Oh, that was really cute. I like that one. Thank you. Um, Thank you very much. So, dear Thirst Buckets, what we like to do is let you marinate in these drabbles for a little bit. And then on Friday, we'll post a poll on our Twitter account at Thursday Kit. And you can vote for which one um, you like better. And, you know, it doesn't really matter because we're all winners. There are no losers here. We do this for fun. We do this for you. We do this because it's it's nice and light. And <laughs> it's a good way to, um, you know, work out some of our uh, aggressions. <laughs> <laughs> you to um go to our twitter at thursday kit and vote for which drabble you liked better and um you know yeah it's gonna be up there you can either have yaya in front of a mirror uh getting naked in many different ways (laughs) 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 or maybe you like simu um serenading them in a drunken karaoke session it's 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 up to you the choice is yours The choice is yours. You sound like Captain Planet, and I love it. (laughs) Ah, Nicole, another sterling job on the Drabbles. I bow to you respectfully from a distance of far more than six meters because it's a pleasure, as always, to do such gentle battle with you. 
And it is my pleasure as well. I'm so glad that we get to do this together, even though we are far apart. And, um, you know, it is a highlight of my week. So thank you. I'm crying. I'm crying. First Aid Kids is a Slate production produced by Sher Vincent and us, Bim Adewunmi and Nicole Perkins. Our music is by Tanya Morgan. You can follow the show on Twitter at Thirst Aid Kit and we're on Tumblr at thirstaidkitpodcast.tumblr.com. There's new episodes every Thursday, but you can also live tweet your listen anytime by using the hashtag TACPOD. That's T-A-K-P-O-D. Or you can send us an email telling us all your favorite bits at thirstaidkit at slate.com. Our Thirst Sommelier service is open for business. Just send us a short message, and we do mean short, no longer than a minute. That number is 510-984-4778. That's 510-9-THIRST. Non-US Thirst Buckets can send us a short voice note via email to thirstaidkit at slate.com. You can find all of our episodes and links to listen at slate.com slash podcasts. And if you find yourself wishing you could get even more Thirst Aid Kit content every single week, good news, you can. All you have to do is become a Slate Plus member. Slate Plus is Slate's membership program, and for just $35 for the first year, you'll get a little extra from this show, as well as all other Slate shows. Plus, absolutely no ads. Visit slate.com slash Plus to sign up. We'll be back next week. Please continue to wash your hands, stay home, and remember that sourdough starter may not be necessary. You could also learn to crochet, learn to knit, maybe just read your favorite book over and over and over again. Until next time, bye. Bye. that show the Teletubbies right and they have that little baby in the sun that comes out and like calms everybody down that's how he was to me like I saw him and I (laughs) the baby in the sun that is a deep cut